Get ready to be inspired by the great things happening in rural education. The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas and innovative solutions, will dive into education issues, and will highlight what's working in your rural communities. You will hear from a variety of educators, administrators, professionals, and others who will provide relevant and engaging content in each episode. And now, serving up the scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Sadorf. Welcome back, Rural Scoop listeners, for another episode in our series of stories from the Rural Schoolhouse. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Tom O'Malley, superintendent of the Modoc Joint Unified School District, located in Alturas, California. He'll be giving us some stories from his rural schoolhouses that he's worked with in the last year, and I'm looking forward to hearing about his experiences and learning about the challenges and successes for the students in his district. Tom, are you ready to give us the scoop? Yes, I am. Great. Well, first, tell us about you and your school community. So I guess first off about me, um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to work where I grew up. So um, I was born in San Diego, but I was raised here in, in Alturas. We moved here when I was two. Um, went through the school system here and could not wait to get away from this place and as far as possible because it is so darn remote and spent a lot of time down in Southern California just enjoying Southern California and not doing much else in all honesty. Um, basically at age, oh geez, 24, I decided to go back to school and, and get my degree and get into teaching and stuff. I, I had coached a, uh, a football team in the early nineties and just thought that was really fun working with the kids. So figured I'd give this education thing a try and got my degree in mathematics and taught down in the central Valley for uh, eight years down near Chico, hmm. uh, California. And then, uh, you know, our first child arrived and that was when my wife and I decided it was kind of time to go back home. So uh, my parents are still here. Um, so we moved back to Alturas in 05 and I was an assistant principal for a year, a principal for another uh, seven and then have been superintendent. I'm just finishing year eight. So that's us. Uh, that's me. Modoc Joint Unified is about 800 and well, pre-pandemic about 850. We're down to about 815 now. So we, mm. this has cost us a lot of kids. Um, we have a about a 400 student elementary school, 175 student middle school, a 220 student comprehensive high school, two alternative ed schools, and I actually have a, a school of five up on the Oregon border. Wow. So five kids, one teacher and a secretary and an aide. So as far as like, you know, student teacher ratio, it doesn't get much better than that. I would agree. But uh, Modoc Joint Unified is, you know, we're very rural. I always tell people we're 100 miles from Walmart and they laugh, but that is true. We're exactly 100 miles from Walmart in Klamath Falls, Oregon. Um, that's our closest place where we go to shop and do things. You know, we have stores in town, Altars is 2,500 people, but in all honesty, it's you got to get out every now and then just to get out and it's a lot cheaper elsewhere. So, um, you know, living the rural lifestyle and, and dealing with everything that comes with it. What does transportation look like for your district? Are you large geographically? Yes. So, um, my district, if you go North South is going to run 40, uh, about 80 miles North South, um, East West, probably about 20 to 25 um, it, it's very odd shaped. We have a mountain range to the east of us, which throws some weird lines in. Um, but really, there's only two or three population centers. But we'll have kids um, 
you know, on, on the bus for an hour one way, hmm. you know, twice a day. So we, we do run, we run three routes, um, just in these little circles around the population areas around Alturas. But um, we go all the way down to, into Lassen County, which is south of us. Then we go right up to the border. Wow. So this past year has been unique for all of us. Um, what has it been like for MODOC Joint Unified for you and for your community at large? It's been frustrating. I mean, to say the least, it's, you know, Alturas in MODOC County is, is some, MODOC County is a culture. It just is. And it's a culture of just kind of leave us alone and, and let us do our thing and everything will be fine. So we don't fit in with, you know, Sacramento, San Francisco, Los Angeles, et cetera. We're just, you know, there, there's 9,000 people in the county. There's more cows than people in the county. It's, it's that kind of an environment. So with all the rules that came out of Sacramento, um, which to be completely honest, they did not do a good job in, in this whole thing um, from the get go. They've been behind and they just California is so large and so diverse and, and they just don't see that. So what looks good in SAC or what looks good in LA doesn't necessarily look good everywhere. So us trying to sell the concept of here's these rules that we have to play by or else we can't come to school. That's been a tough sell. Now, granted, the community realized after we closed in March that, you know, for the, for the first time in a while that schools actually have a purpose and that <laughs> this does matter to these kids. So, you know, my parents were ready to come back and pretty much do, this is the group that in June said, I'm absolutely not sending my child to school with a mask on, to which 85% of my kids showed up on the first day with masks on. So, you know, they've come around, they've done a great job. Um, again, Sacramento, and I don't want to turn this into a government bashing session, but it is what it is. Um, just like I said, they've been behind and then they just haven't quite grasped everything. So they would release new rules every Friday before we even started. So we would write plans and then throw them away on Friday at about 3.30 mm -hmm. to 5 o'clock when the new rules came out. And then we got back in session in, in August as planned on the 19th and started going to school and then they changed the rules again. And then here's a new color coding system. And now you guys are in you know red and, and we had no cases at that point. I think we had had eight at that point in the, you know, the entire County since, since March. So it just didn't make a lot of sense. And then they came out with rules for small counties, which made more sense. And then we dropped out of that. And then they came back with the new Cal OSHA regs, which dramatically changed everything. And that kind of put us on the hook for liability. And then, you know, in February, when the governor said, hey, we're going to have these reopenings, and here comes the reopening plans. The reopening plans were going to force us to close. That's how bad they were. Hmm. They just, we, we, we had conditions on the ground. We knew what was working. We knew what, what, you know, where we had some issues, that kind of stuff. And just, I wish they would have looked more to us on the ground to kind of get those answers and trust our local health department and us. And they just didn't do that. So that was, there's been a lot of frustration, but on the flip side, it's been amazing to watch for me. Um, as I'm talking to my friends who are superintendents in the state and, you know, they're frustrated because they're on distance learning and people are refusing to come to work and, and all the things that came with that. Um, my staff never did that. My custodians, food service, maintenance workers never took a day off from the onset of the pandemic. Um, because our philosophy was, you know, we have necessary people. And right now cleaning the school is necessary. Even though the kids aren't there, we're going to get this thing ready to go. Cause we, 
we always went in two week increments in March because we were always planning on coming back and that just never worked out. Right. Um, we did food all, all summer. Um, my teachers all came back in August and were excited to do so. I mean, I had zero pushback. We had some pretty intense discussions on what coming back would look like as far as what would be in place regarding air filtration, you know, how we're going to set up desks, how many kids in a room, those logistical issues we had some conversations about that Mm -hmm. at times got a little heated to be completely honest, but Mm -hmm. ultimately coming back was never questioned. The support from the community out of the gate to, to agree to play the game was amazing. So it, it really did give me a lot of, uh, I mean, I'm very proud of the people I work with as, you know, prior to the pandemic. Oh yeah. We're, you know, it's an administration and staff and then we're fighting. And it is what it is. That's kind of how these things roll. But we all kind of came together and got this figured out. And, you know, today we, we, we haven't missed a day. And there's one case in the county and that's it. So we're hopefully over the hump and, and just how this community and my staff has pulled together to make this work it has been awesome to watch. Tom, you talked about students coming back and teachers coming back. Did you have anyone in virtual learning settings? Yes. Yeah, so right at the start, so this is where the change of plans came. Um, we were under the impression that students had to have a medical reason to not come to school. Mm-hmm. So when we put that out there, we had about 15 to 20 kids. I don't remember the exact number that actually had a legitimate medical reason and, and we'll accommodate that. Then they changed it to, they don't have to have a medical note. And then we had 15% of our student body out, which it was right around, you know, 120 kids. Mm-hmm. And that happened the week before school started. You can manage 15 to 20 kids across three sites fairly simply as far as distance learning goes. Now, all of a sudden, jumping up to that large of a number, that caused us some problems. Again, the staff rally came through and we just started live streaming classes and away we went and just modified as as we went across. So right now, uh, the numbers are uh, 25, 35, uh, 45 kids are on distance learning across the district. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of our kids have come back. And that's been a good thing. The frustrating thing, we found a lot of, you know, it's typical rural America here in in Modoc County. Once we started getting involved with some families due to some issues um, that involve social services and child protective services, parents would pull kids. Mm -hmm. And we had no recourse because they would say, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to get COVID and die and I don't have to have a doctor's note. So my kid's out. Now we've just lost those eyes on those kids. That's been a frustration. Um, that was early on, and, and those families never came back. Again, our numbers dropped because we saw a significant amount of... In California, you can start a private school. All you have to do is check a bunch of boxes on the internet and hit submit, and you can have your own private school, and we saw a lot of that this year. Is that where those students then probably ended up? Several, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them just stayed home and stayed on distance learning, uh, stayed in the house that we were concerned about. Um, we've had a lot of families, families just disappear and we don't know where they ended up. They just mm-hmm. left. So that's a challenge that you've had to try to overcome. And it sounds like it's something you're still working to try to mitigate. What other challenges did you face and how did you overcome them? As far as, as COVID and everything, I, I think everybody probably experiences the supply chain was, was horrible. So, you know, my teachers came in and said, we want air purifiers in all the classrooms. And I think that's a great idea, regardless of COVID. So we can get some of the, you know, student smell out of there because, you know, they go out and play and come back in or whatever. So we just thought that was great. And like, all right, we're going to order 100 and 
50 of these. We're going to put them in every office, every single room. And then four came in, mm-hmm. then 12, then two, then 16. And they just start trickling. And it was, oh my gosh, we probably didn't have that for six months. They wanted, you know, better air filters than what we currently do. No problem. Well, there was a problem. We were just like everybody else. Um, you know, the teachers were saying, it sure would be nice if you're going to ask us to clean desks to have wipes. And we could just grab wipes instead of having to spray stuff and do whatever. And we don't like bleach because it smells bad. Okay, no problem. No, there was a problem. That stuff didn't exist. We couldn't find it. And what you could find was incredibly expensive. And even yeah. though we'd be given all the state and federal money, it just didn't feel right to be paying a dollar a wipe. You know, it was just, <laughs> that was rough. So, the, you know, the supply chain was, was, was tough. Logistically, keeping kids apart. Um, you know, mm-hmm. keep these kids in stable cohorts. So, you know, Mrs. Cop's class can't mix with Mrs. Kingwell's class, can't mix with Mrs. Martin's class and their kids. They mix. Altaris is an island. These kids are together all the time. So, you know, once once they canceled sports across the board, no soccer, no, you know, high school sports or anything, these kids had nothing to do but play with each other. So they were together all the time anyway. Right. So that was kind of just ridiculous. And, and we, we started to you know, not abandon it per se, but we, it just, it was something you couldn't, you couldn't keep up with in order to make sense. We run three buses. We put kids from all these different cohorts on, on a bus. They ride in together and then they can't play together. It, you know, again, some of the, the, the nonsense that they put out in our specific instance was, was challenging to overcome. And then you got to let common sense come into play a lot and, and kind of roll back to what's best for kids. Um, and so we, you know, we did the best we could, but we also hit it with a dose of common sense and that yeah. seemed to help. Always a good strategy Yeah, <laughs> to right. employ common sense. <laughs> yeah. is, is broadband an issue in your area? Um, we have one internet provider. I mean, you can get the satellite services and what have you. They're just not very fast. So we have one like, you know, hardcore, you can plug a line into your, your Wi-Fi box in your house. Um, and that's frontier. Um, and it's been okay. They've, it's been okay. There's nowhere else to go. The, the frustrating thing for us is another company. And I believe it's spectrum is sitting on the Oregon border waiting for Caltrans to give permits to put line in the right away. And that's been two years now. We thought this would expedite that, but that's fallen on deaf ears in Sacramento. And, and we have some pretty good Intel as to why, but that's political and there's nothing we can do about it. Um, we have, physical limitations. So, you know, nobody's going to run 20 miles of broadband to hit 12 houses. It, mm-hmm. just, it doesn't pay for itself. But for example, my um, HR secretary, she lives on the backside of this ridge. She just physically can't get it. Unless someone's going to run cable out to her house, which again, doesn't financially make a lot of sense. And I understand that she can't get Wi-Fi. It's she's blocked from due to where she lives. So how we combat that, you know, that was the the big thing from the state was you have to make every effort to get these kids internet. Like I can't literally move a mountain, you know, I, as in <laughs> she lives on the backside of one. I can't move it. So what are we supposed to do exactly? Those physical limitations based off of the geography here in, in Monarch County are, are not, you can't overcome that unless um, you know, Elon Musk and Tesla and his little satellite system he's trying to put together or has put together and is, is demoing. If that works, that would be perfect for us. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, you know, we have those weird spots where there's a lot of rolling hills and, and, you know, rocky bluffs and those kind of things where people are physically unable to get a signal. 
They, their cell phones don't work. They, they just have a landline and that's it. Wow. I don't know how you combat that. We haven't been able to figure that out. Other than the kids physically have to, you know, come to town and, and we can get them Wi-Fi if they you know, move out to a hillside. That's easy. We have hotspots, you know, sitting in my office over here waiting to get used. It just getting them to a place where they're not blocked. That's the challenge. Right. So I'm, I'm very sure that there have been a lot of lessons that you've learned in the last year on how to mitigate for a pandemic and other things as well. Um, what are some of those lessons that you're taking into next year as you plan forward? The biggest thing for me, and, and this started for me back in, I think probably November, December. So just coincidentally, um, my daughter was prepping for a semester at a college over in Austria. Hmm. She was going to go to Austria in the uh, spring of, of uh, last year. And so I start looking and I start seeing on, I don't even do Twitter, but for whatever reason, I come across this Twitter stuff where there's this issue in China and we have this little outbreak thing and, and I'm watching it and, you know, it seems like it's not that bad. And then it seems like it, maybe it's really bad because then you start seeing the underground Twitter stuff come out of, of videos and, and things. And, and here's my daughter waiting to, to head out, you know, and it just, it seemed okay. And I wasn't too worried about it because it seemed early on that even the, the reports out of China were that this doesn't affect young people very badly. Right. So, you know, she's over in Austria and getting ready to head over to Italy for two weeks when everything blows up and president Trump shuts down the, you know, the international travel and all that. So we have to scramble to get her back. But I was never that concerned for her, like her health safety. I mean, traveling safety. Yes. Cause it was chaos, but um, I just wasn't too worried about her because I had done my own research. And I think that's, the biggest thing rolling into, I think, everything we do is to make sure we're multi-sourcing everything as far as, you know, whether it's trying to find, you know, cost-effective um, antibacterial wipes or what the supply chain looks like or, you know, this whole global plant pandemic thing and are these plastic shields actually working or not and do we nearly need to spend this money? You can listen to one source or you can, you know, listen to multiple and make a decision and so that for me was in, in kind of the biggest takeaway. And that's what I would tell my peers is they're like, how are you getting by you know, doing all this stuff? And I just said, I do my own research mm -hmm. and I'm not, we didn't buy any plastic barriers because there's no data to indicate that they were effective. We didn't buy any light ones because there was no actual, you know, the CDC never came out and said UV stuff works. I could never find that. So we never purchased those. Um, we didn't spend a lot of money on things just because there was no evidence that there were people who said, you need to do this and you have to do this. And no, no I'm sorry. I, until you can prove it to me, I'm just not going to do that. So I think moving forward, just everything we do, it's just, you know, buying curriculum, whatever else, does SIPs really work? Let's talk to some different schools. Let's see what people have done and how they've implemented. And then let's, let's make our own best educated decisions. So I think that's kind of my little learning lesson moving forward is to not just to prove things because the staff wants it or not just, mm -hmm. you know, the latest, greatest, maybe it not, it may not be the latest and greatest. So just to fully vet and research everything we do. What about your staff? How do you think they've grown in the last year? I think for them, again, I, I can, I can like speak to here um, and, and what this population is like, and it's, it's pretty challenging. It's a pretty challenging place to work. You know, it's rural America. We have substance abuse issues and everything that comes from that. 
Um, last year prior to all this it sure was a grind and we've seen the fight with parents a lot about what's best for their children and there wasn't a lot of appreciation for what we do I think they feel appreciated they realize you know you take something away you don't realize what you had so I think that the fact that education was taken away and parents had to stay at home with kids for you know a couple months and not that the kids are horrible, but, you know, it's work and trying to teach is we wouldn't have a shortage if it was easy. Mm, um, and, it, and it's not. So we had a lot of parents who just threw up their hands, even at the elementary level of, I don't know how to do any of this. I can't figure this out. This math is weird. You know, this math is always weird. Um, it, it's been kind of a newfound, um, I guess, you know, like internal Oh, I don't know how to describe it. I can't find the word over 50. So I can't find the word. Um, just that, there you go. Intrinsic. That whole intrinsic value, I think, has been stimulated that I'm just not here as a glorified babysitter and bang my head against the wall. Like, you know, they saw the learning loss and mm-hmm. they knew that that happened because they weren't there. My staff, all this distance learning drives them nuts because they want those kids in front of them. They'd mm-hmm. have kids misbehaving on distance learning and I'd just go just delete their little screen, turn them off. And they just refuse to. I'm not giving up on this kid. Like the kid's not even in the room. Um, so I think just that I think they've all gotten a, a newfound appreciation for what they do because it matters. So if mm-hmm. you want to find the good that's come out of that, I think it's been a good realization that at least for my crew here that, wow, we do have an impact and, and we need to be here. What about you? How have you found yourself growing as an educator? So this year, you know, our, our lack of, of ability to hire based on our geography has allowed us to not have a math teacher for two consecutive years. So being a math credential, the only math credential in the district. So I've been teaching upper division math this year, trig, which I haven't done in 15 years. So that's been an experience. Um, but it was really good for me to get back and work with kids. And in all honesty, it took me a while to figure out how to relate to kids. It was it was quite it was a very humbling experience, but it was good for me to get back in there and, and see what teachers are dealing with and have to write tests and and grade tests and prepare lessons and do all that. Um, So I think for me, again, it's that kind of that rediscovered respect of what we do and how complex it is, how challenging it is. And and I'll ask you for my district, how well we do it. Um, It's a very dedicated group and it's given me a lot of appreciation as a superintendent. And again, you, you you do a lot of arguing, it seems like, and, Mm -hmm. you know, you sit in negotiations and, you know, they want everything and we don't want to give them anything because, you know, we're going to meet in the middle. So we all, we started zero and they started a hundred and, and here we go. Um, it's just really stimulated those personal relationships again. And, and we feel like we've had to get through some pretty intense discussions. And I think we've come out of that better and just a little bit better understanding of, of where we're all coming from. So I think for me, just on a personal level, it's just kind of, it was grounding. Is definitely grounding. And like I said, for this didn't really force me into the classroom. That was, like I said, the hiring issue, but um, it's been a humbling year for sure. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about the hiring issues in your area. So again, hundred miles from Walmart, that is a true statement. So when you look at kids who come out of college, generally they want to be somewhere where there's a nightclub or they can go snowboard or they can go do cool things. Right. And we don't have a nightclub. We do have a ski hill, which is open depending on the snowfall, a couple, three months a year. Um, but there's not a lot for young kids to do here unless you're really into the outdoors. So, you know, we, 
we locals here, we do a lot of hunting, we do a lot of fishing, we hike, we ride quads, we, we do those kind of things. And it, that doesn't seem to be a very, uh, that group seems to have gotten smaller as of late. So we don't have a big draw. I, looking at positions that are open, I think we pay pretty well. Um, here, you know, you can get a house for 130000 That's nice. Um, it's not a mansion, but, you know, it's cheap to live here as far as all those things go. That's not a good sell for a kid out of college. So our history of the last five years is finding stay-at-home moms whose kids are, um, you know, coming out of, or going into school. They've been taking online classes. They've finished a bachelor's. And, we, and if they're good people, we ask them to come teach for us and try an internship and see how it works out that's been fairly successful for us to the point where that pool is pretty much depleted at this point. Hmm. So the intern train is, is kind of off the, off the rails right now. We've been looking for multiple subject teachers, a Spanish teacher. We finally got math, which was a total fluke. We got her, um, but we've been looking since February. We've gotten three multiple subject applications since February. And we've hit all the online job fairs. We're, we're making phone calls to colleges saying, do you have kids who are getting a liberal arts degree that are interested in teaching? <laughs> we just, you know, we can't get them to, to come. It's, this is the first year where, where I'm, I'm scared of what next year is going to look like. And, you know, my thoughts over the weekend were, we're going to have to completely reboot what education looks like in this county because you know, I should have 52 certificated personnel. Right now I'm looking at 46. Wow. And that's, you know, one, you know, foreign language, we're probably gonna have to go online for that in some way, shape or form. Um, but multiple subjects, you know, how do you multiple subject, uh, how do you distance learn a, a whole third grade classroom? I, I don't know what that looks like. So we've got some concerns. I'm hoping that, you know, we, we get an interesting group of people here. A lot of my staff are people who grew up here who've come back. It, it's an interesting thing. We have other staff who's come here specifically to work in a rural setting because they wanted the, the challenge and everything that comes with that. So it, it, that's been interesting. Um, but that just doesn't seem to be happening right now. So, you know, we, we get a lot of everybody's second choices. You know, mm -hmm. we don't we don't generally get very rarely do we get the, hey, number one in the class. I just want to go work in Altera. So we've, we've gotten one of those in the last few years. We've gotten some very good people that we're working with to become better teachers. So, you know, the hope is that as we get further down the road, there'll be these people who are like, I got to find a job. And I guess I will go to Altera because our retention is really good. And when people come here, they do stay. It's That's a really good. nice working environment. Um, again, if you like peace and quiet and outdoors, it, you know, it, it does kind of it does kind of hook you that way. It, the winters are incredibly cold. You got to get through that. That's, that's a bigger challenge. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the geography, I don't know how we overcome it, but we always have up until the last two years. That's now we're starting to, you know, see staff shortfalls. Besides your staffing, what else are you looking at doing differently or, or maybe continuing with for next year? What, what are your plans as you look to reopen in the fall? We had to give up so much. So we're a very, um, you know, we're an avid district. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of collaborative work. Um, we do a lot of small group interventions. 
having kids come in and sit at a round table every day went out in August and we purchased all new desks and all that. Now, you know, the rumor out of SAC is that we're going to get to go back to that. So we're going to have a whole bunch of surplus desks. Um, it's getting back to what was working. So if you, you know, if, if somebody's listening to this and goes back and says, I wonder what their scores are like, they're not good. I mean, our English and, and, and math scores are low. Our chronic absenteeism was triple the state average in 1819. Um, we've, we've got our fair share of issues, mm-hmm. but we were on the process of our chronic absenteeism and absenteeism rate. We cut in half prior to COVID. So we were down to 15% from 27, not totally half, but you know, just estimating. Um, we use the measure of academic progress, the NWE map test that mm-hmm. a lot of people do. And we had seen growth that we've never seen before. We're doing SIPs, we're doing small groups, interventions across the district. Things looked really good for us. And then, you know, we didn't test. At the end of the year stopped. We need to go back to what it appeared was working. Mm-hmm. So we need to get back to small groups. We need to get back to a much more collaborative learning environment um, with the kids. And I don't want to use the term get back to normal because there's things that distance learning has a place. Um, we do have kids with, legi- we have kids with legitimate medical issues that probably shouldn't come to school and we need to figure out how to serve them best. We have kids that need to be on independent study just because of their you know family situation. They're, you know, sponsoring themselves through life. Some of them, that kind of a thing. We need to make that education better. And so this has helped in that regard. Mm-hmm. So we do need to kind of sharpen the tip of that spear and and make that a much more uh, effective learning environment. And I think just because of the pandemic, there's been a lot, there's a lot more tools out there that we're aware of, and maybe they've always been out there, but I've never heard of Edgenuity until, you know, six months ago. <laughs> so um, as we move forward, just, just making what we do better. And I guess better is kind of going back to, to what again appeared to be working. And so that's the biggest thing. We just got to, again, I hate that. I don't know why that term get back to normal just bothers me, but it's going to be an opportunity to go back to, to do what was working and refine what we've learned in this process and utilize it better. Is there anything that we haven't touched on Tom that you want to make sure our listeners are aware of? <laughs> this whole thing has been such a political issue. I don't think anyone could deny that. And you know, whatever politics are politics, but we always fell back here to the kids. And kind of that's what I say to my, my admin when I bring them in or, you know, we hire a new one. It's a, you need to like wake up in the morning and just know that everything you do that day is going to be in the best interest of kids. And as long as you can come home that day and brush your teeth and look in the mirror and say, everything I did was in the best interest of kids, that's a good day. No matter how you were affected by it or whatever, you know, that's, that's what we do here. And you got to stay that path. Mm-hmm. There's just, there was so much just, junk out there because of politics. And and it was so easy, I think, for a lot of people to get sucked into it or get caught up in it or whatever. And just, we just all got to remember why we're here and we're here for kids. And, you know, granted, it's my responsibility to protect my staff. And, 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 you know, I did that, but you protect your staff so your kids can learn those kind of things. So just maintain that focus for everybody out there as an education. That's why we do this. And I think we forget that at times, but this has been a good reminder that that's why we do what we do. They, they do need us and they want to be here no matter how much they say they don't. Well said. Well, Tom, thanks for spending part of your day with me today. I really enjoyed learning more about what's going on in your rural school community. Thank you. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. 
proud member of the Podnuga Network.